Welcome to Canine Nation. It's Sunday, March 3rd, 2019. This is episode 126. Hi, welcome to the podcast. This is Eric Brad. Back when my wife and I first got dogs, it was commonly thought that if you had to use food to get your dog to perform the behaviors that you were training, well, somehow you weren't a very good trainer. But times have changed, and we've moved on and learned a whole lot about modern dog training methods and behavioral science. Now food is a regular part of our training routine, and there's a very simple reason. All the dogs that we've ever had eat, at least once a day, sometimes twice, and sometimes snacks in between. I don't know why it is that some trainers resist the idea that you should pay your dog with some sort of food treat for the behaviors that they offer. But that idea still persists in a large percentage of the dog world. Why do we resist training our dogs with food? We feed our dogs every day. It wouldn't take much to offer our dogs food during training and reduce the food that we feed them during mealtimes. But still, there are some in the training community that think that this is a scam, that it's cheating, or bribing our dogs. My wife and I tend to think of this more as a paycheck than a bribe. It's a reward for the cooperation our dogs give us, not a bribe in hopes that they will do something nice for us in the future. I don't know why it is that some trainers believe that a dog who works with you without being paid with food or some other reward is showing respect or somehow showing love or loyalty to their owner. Given the 20 years of success that we've had using food in our training programs, I don't know why anyone would not be using it. But it's a controversy that still rages today, and I wanted to explore some of the aspects of the idea of using food in training. So I put some thoughts down in this essay that I call, Bribery or Paycheck? Why do we resist training our dogs with food? All of the best dog trainers work without food. That's what I had always been told. Dogs should be naturally disposed to want to please us as their masters. Or, so goes the common lore in most traditional dog training. But I'm a mark and reward trainer. I use food all the time to train my dogs, and I get excellent results. So, what gives? Should I be using food or not when I'm training my dog? One website I visited characterizes the use of food in dog training as, quote, the biggest scam in dog training today, unquote. The author, Kevin Salem, goes on to make additional claims such as, quote, relying heavily on treats to teach a dog isn't healthy or natural, and, quote, using food as a bribe rarely teaches your dog the respect factor. Sure, it builds trust, love, and affection, but never respect, unquote. Kevin Salem is not alone. Many dog trainers still believe in concepts such as status hierarchy and the idea that a dog must respect their handler. Even television dog trainer Caesar Milan preaches a version of this with his calm, assertive approach to leadership with dogs. 
Our success with our dogs using food as part of a program of reinforcement and science-based training stands in stark contrast to the claims of these traditional trainers. Their claims that using food is a scam or cheating when training simply don't hold up given our almost 20 years of real experience using food rewards to train with our own dogs. Traditional trainers who object to the use of food often cite what they feel are the many problems that using food will create with a dog. These are the most common arguments I've seen against using food or treats when training. Your dog will only listen to you when you're actually holding a treat. That you will spoil your dog, and spoiled dogs are prone to turn on dogs and people. You will have to have treats with you 24-7 in order to get your dog to do anything. That you are unknowingly making your dog dominant and aggressive. Your dog could get sick, fat, or have diarrhea from so many treats. They claim that dogs cannot be successfully trained for competition or learn durable behaviors if you're using food. Your dog may not like treats, or the opposite, may become overly excited around food. Dogs trained using food are unreliable and don't really learn to respond to their handler. They say that your dog will obey you based on what type of treats you're offering. Your dog will learn to beg for food and get into the habit of countersurfing, and that you'll make your dog demanding, and he will bark, jump, whine, or poke at your hands for treats. Most, if not all of these objections, speak more to the incorrect use of food or just poor training rather than the food itself being the problem. Using food in your training program is meant to be a motivator and not a distracting influence with your dog. Any number of books are available that describe proper methods to use food successfully to motivate dogs to learn and perform. Most of these methods include a reduction in the use of the food over time so that the behavior is reliable even without the food rewards present. Most remarkable to me are the claims that behaviors trained using food are not durable or cannot be taught to a high enough level to be competitive in dog sports. We have dogs who have achieved championship titles in the sport of dog agility. In fact, my girl Tiramisu has earned a total of six agility championships, the last coming when she was more than 12 years old. There are now tens of thousands of dogs worldwide that were trained with food using positive methods, and these dogs have achieved the highest levels of excellence in sports of all kinds, from agility to obedience, tracking to draft dog, schutzend, ring sport, and many others. And it's not just sports and recreation that these dogs excel in. Dogs have been successfully trained using food and positive reinforcement to be search and rescue dogs, drug and law enforcement dogs, service dogs for the blind and physically disabled, therapy dogs, and more. These are jobs on which lives may depend, and they are entrusted to dogs who have been trained using food and positive methods. Perhaps the food is not the issue at all, but the manner in which it's being used by trainers in their training that can make it ineffective or even detrimental to the dog's training and their relationship with the handler. Given that such positive and negative examples can be offered, clearly the food itself can't be the problem. So, what is the disconnect here? Why do so many dog trainers and dog fanciers strongly resist the use of food in working with their dogs?
Perhaps it's a question of culture. I often hear the claim by traditional trainers that dogs should respond to your training because they love, respect, and want to please you as their handler. The assertion here seems to be that it is natural for dogs to want to perform for us just for the occasional pat on the head or some internal instinctive drive to please us. But is this true? To date, science has uncovered nothing resembling a biological or instinctive drive in dogs to please us. What we do know is that dogs, as they've evolved and have been selectively bred by humans, are more like grown-up puppies than their wild ancestors, the wolf. Raymond Coppinger, in his book Dogs, refers to this as neoteny, the retention of juvenile characteristics into adulthood. So, when dogs become adults, they seem to retain a need for a family setting and attention from some guiding person or dog. But this is not a desire to please, nor is it simple genetics. Consider something for a moment. From the first minute they arrive in our homes, our dogs learn that everything they need to stay alive comes from us. Food, water, exercise, companionship, security, these are all under our control as their trainers and handlers. The one thing not available to our dogs is the freedom to leave. They don't have that option. Is it any wonder that they will eventually comply with our wishes? I'm sure we all see the implications here but they don't need to be dark or menacing. The simple fact is that we can get dogs to do almost anything without giving them treats because their next actual meal may depend on it. It may take a while, but if we're clear about what we want, they will do it eventually. Without being able to have a conversation with them, how do we distinguish between them, quote, having a desire to please us, unquote, and our dog knowing clearly that non-compliance may jeopardize their living situation? The answer is, we can't. It seems entirely possible that our predisposition to denying our dogs food in return for their cooperation when we train reflects our own human need to have our dogs prove their love and respect for us. Our insistence that a well-trained dog is one that performs only for the intangible rewards seems both unrealistic and idealistic, considering how we ourselves place material value on the work that we do by asking for wages for our efforts. To me, training a dog without food seems like we're withholding payment from them, like we're getting something for nothing. How clever of us! Aren't we the gifted trainers? And we could probably feel good about that if we didn't consider something else that we see in human relationships. Exploitation. Do you have to use food in training to be a good trainer? No. Does using food make you a bad trainer or a cheater? No. Food can be a tremendous motivator and create both strong performance and strong bonds between the trainer and the dog. But it must be used properly to achieve those things. It should be used as part of an overall training approach that focuses on reward for performance and not leading or bribing the dog with the food. There's a lot of great information on reward-based training and using food to reinforce your dog for the behavior you want. You can find them at your local bookstore, pet store, and on the Internet. The use of compulsive methods such as punishment or deprivation in training dogs has been shown to cause aggression problems 
create relationship problems, and create unmotivated dogs. The worst problem you might have with proper food training is that your dog might gain a little weight, and then you just have to cut back on their dinner. The rewards of a happy and motivated training partnership with your dog make learning about modern reward-based training well worth the effort. It certainly was for us. If you enjoy these podcasts, why not drop by our website at caninenation.ca and you'll find dozens more to listen to. While you're at it, perhaps click on the donate button and offer us a dollar or five or whatever you'd like to give to help support the podcast and help us keep the lights on. Or you can support the podcast by spreading the word on social media or leaving us a review on iTunes. I'd love to hear feedback from you about the podcast. If you have any comments, stories, or questions, you can email me at talk2 at caninenation.ca. That's talk and the number 2 at caninenation.ca. I look forward to your comments. Canine Nation is also on Facebook. You can find our Canine Nation page where we post information about the latest articles, podcasts, and news about Canine Nation events. We also have a discussion group, the Canine Nation Forum. It's a place to discuss the podcast, the Canine Nation essays, life with dogs, and training our dogs, or just to share some information we found around the Internet. Thank you for listening. I'd appreciate it if you'd share this with the dog people in your life. I guess that's all for now. Until next time, have fun with your dogs. (laughs) 